Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I have with me Andy Stevens. How are you, Andy? Hi, Mass. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Andy, as always, there's still people in the world who doesn't know who you are. So would you mind doing a little bit of a presentation of yourself and letting the world know who you are and how you make your marks in the world? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'd be uh, surprised if a lot of people did know who I am. They might be more familiar with my business partner and co-founder of three companies, Kyle Roof. And SEO master and uh, I've been working with him for the past six years to create a SEO consulting firm which is now six years old and since then an SEO SaaS tool called uh, Page Optimizer Pro and lately our uh, new venture is also with another co-founder Ted Kupitis and that's called Internet Marketing Gold which is an SEO community and uh, training platform. So that's what's kept me busy for the last six years. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Sounds like a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, so you're, you're also addicted to building cool businesses then. <laughs> I get dragged into it, I would say. You get dragged into it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Can I have but it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, Andy, the, 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 the way I normally kick this off is obviously with this magical question of how do you look at management and how do you, like, what's your management philosophy? So any, any awesome inputs on that one from your side? I guess what I've learned over the last, uh, well, I mean, I've been running businesses myself for uh, about eight years, starting off with just myself as uh, running a freelance agency. Um, but before then running other people's businesses and also in SEO. So I've never really left the SEO industry, which is pretty sad. Um, my thing has always been around creating systems and processes. Um, so I've managed to pretty successfully do that with an SEO firm, which has had, uh, roughly between you know 40 and 70 concurrent projects at any one time and if you know much about SEO you'll know that there is a lot of moving parts to managing SEO campaigns from all of the on-page work to running audits to uh, doing an analysis and reporting and off-page and content generation like there is a lot going on so if you don't have good systems and processes behind that, your business is going to very quickly become an unmanageable mess. So um, I feel like that's one of the management areas which I've maybe uh, done fairly well at is getting that into uh, a little bit less chaos to being a bit more kind of organized and structured. Awesome. What, what's been the biggest challenge with that? Like what, what's, what's really been your biggest challenge with, with building system and process system? It's a lot of work, you know, like uh, it's very easy just to go about doing things, 
without recording them and creating processes out of them. Um, it, it's funny when I look into uh, other firms that I see operating, when, for instance, we bring in staff that work for other consulting firms, um, and I get an insight into how others operate. Um, I see that there seems to be a lot less structure in what they're, they're doing. So for example, um, where a, a campaign manager or a project manager is basically, they, they're working more or less like a, um, like a professional consultant where they just build on the number of hours which they work on a project yeah. per month. And it's, it's a single resource to one single client. Um, and that, that's in fact, like it's very inefficient. And uh, when I started off, I was doing it that way because I didn't have any staff. Um, but not only is it very efficient, but it's, it, it's not as good in terms of the output because you can't have specialists. No one can be good at everything. Um, so the challenge has been working to build these vertical silo teams which coordinate together to build kind of successful uh, campaigns for our clients and um, we can manage them um, by delivering good results but also uh, having them be fairly profitable at the same time. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense and, and you're totally right. I mean, I've worked with a lot of SEO companies and a lot of them have very little to no structure. And at the same time, exactly as you say, they're, they're all trying to literally bill out hours that someone else is working. And it, it, instead of being like, it kind of works like a recruitment agency. It's like, hey, I know this SEO guy over here who can help you. You know, here's, here, here's, here's his hourly rate type thing, right? So it's actually like renting out an SEO more than, than necessarily guaranteeing results. And like, it, it's always difficult to guarantee any results, right? But, but at least for me, when I hire an agency of, of any kind in any business, like I'm hiring an agency because I expect them to have a process, right? And I, I totally agree with you. I've seen a lot of SEO companies not have that type of framework and not have that level of, of expertise, right? That's right. I mean, if you, you're hiring a freelancer, it's, it should be for different reasons. And a, a consulting firm or an agency in SEO shouldn't be operating in the same way. Yep. So, yeah, we, we like to be able to offer like a full spectrum of services, but still focusing on SEO, um, but being able to offer uh, specialists in each of those areas and, um, but still bring it all together into one, something that's coherent where the client doesn't understand the complexity that's going on behind the scenes because we don't, they don't need to and we don't want them to. It should be a, a simple matter of them dealing with um, one person um, and not getting like tons of different reports from different places. Yeah. yeah and, and the same with communication, right? Like you, you want to have a clear communication strategy and channel and consistent updates so people know what to expect and so on. Yeah. I imagine you've got a lot to contribute on this as well. I should be interviewing you too, because <laughs> you're doing a similar thing, but I think even on a, a much bigger scale. Yeah, but it's good fun. It's good fun. Okay, so that's good, Andy. So what um, 
what, what's sort of the biggest challenge you've had from management standpoint? Like what, what's the biggest sort of boo-boo or screw up you've ever made? Uh, there's not like one big screw up that I'm like, Oh, remember that time. Yeah. Um, what a like a big lesson we took from that unless I'm forgetting something. Um, I mean, there's been times where uh, running search ads campaigns through Google ads um, budgets have have been incorrect. Uh, And I've seen that happen on a much greater scale um, than what has happened with us. So we're fortunate, but um, if you blow out a client's spend budget um, through mistakes in budgeting and, and, um, you end up spending $10,000 in the month instead of $2,000, then um, like you're accountable for that. You're responsible for that. And on a couple of occasions it's happened and it's cost us um, pretty dearly. Um, an almost catastrophe. I don't know if Kyle wants me to talk about this, but, uh, and this, we, we this wasn't tell a, anyone. <laughs> it's just a podcast right <laughs> i mean like when when you're starting out you don't have you don't have traction uh it's very seldom that you have um immediate traction with your business it grows slowly it's painful um it's a lot of work and little reward yeah. um, um we're at a phase where uh we we didn't have like amazing growth and we didn't have um great salaries uh, and Kyle had just had a uh, young son and he was offered a great opportunity to um, leave the business and go and work for another business. And he, he told me that he was really interested in taking that opportunity and basically just shutting down our, our company. And um, I very stubbornly just said, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I think there's there's something here that's too good to let go of and just become uh, an employee working for the man. Yep. Um, don't give up. Like, how can we make this work? Yep. So you can maybe still leverage some of this opportunity, but we don't give up on our dreams to have our own company. Um, and so I kind of swallowed my pride a little bit with that one mm-hmm. and just said, Kai, like, how can we still make this work? Um, and we worked out a way to do it. So <laughs> funny, but he moved into their offices. He obviously, he took the job that, that he was offered, moved across the, the country, two States, set up his family, took the job and was working from their offices on the agreement that he would be half working for them and half working for us, but from their offices. And they were fine with that. Um, Three months later, that, that whole thing just fell in a heap and um, he would have otherwise, he, he, he would have lost his job and he would have moved across the country for no reason. Um, but by that stage, we'd built up some other client relationships and things were going a bit stronger. And so he had our company to fall back on. So I think the lesson from that was um, that partnerships are, I think like, you know, the rule of synergy, you can create, more when you work together than you can ever by yourself. Yep. Um, but they're not always easy. You can't always have your own way. 
um, sometimes you have to cop it a little bit um, for the sake of the, the company's success, which comes first. I like that. I, I love that lesson. And then I, I think, I mean, most entrepreneurs have been there, right? Like most entrepreneurs have been in this shit situation, you know, where, where you're counting pennies and you're like, is this the right choice? And, you know, am I doing the right thing right now? Or should I just give up and, you know, jump ship? And like most entrepreneurs I know have been there. Right. And, and a, a lot of people are still there. Like what one of these things and one of the reasons I love talking about failure is because a lot of people pretend it's not there even when they're sitting on the edge. Right. Like so many people, particularly in the online sort of business world, they're like, oh, yeah, business is amazing. And, you know, every time they talk with a friend, like, you know, life is the best in the world. But but if you actually go look at the finances, if you go look at their business, <clears throat> things are often not that way. And I I think it's a little bit of a shame to a large extent, because I think if people were better at talking about their their struggles, they would actually survive much better. Because one of the key things is that people always feel like they're the only one in the situation. They're always Mm -hmm. like, oh, everyone got their shit together and I'm just failing over here, you know, like I should give up. But, But if they actually knew how many people are struggling and how many people are failing, I, I think business would actually be a lot easier for a lot of people. So, yeah. yeah. Man, there's absolutely no shame in it either. Um, no. The grit that you have to withstand to go through long, hard times is what makes you an entrepreneur in terms of mindset anyway. And it's something more that you should be proud of, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought of another one, actually. This is one that I should yeah. have thought of um, since you've brought up how interested you are in fuck-ups um (laughs) and so this is a more recent one where we invested a ton of money in building uh, a platform so software yeah and the everybody i spoke to was like this is a bad idea (laughs) and we ignored them all because we just didn't actually have any better solution and the problem was which this is a lesson i've learned the technology was not our core offering we were building the technology to support our core offering which was content and education and that was a total failure because the technology could we we were never going to invest as much as what it needed to make it uh, to make it good for our customers um, simply because this software only had one customer, which was us. And, yeah. and in today's uh, software industry, people just have such high expectations and there's so many amazing companies out there who all they do is build a type of software for one function. It's yeah. ridiculously uh, over ambitious and egoistic to think that you can build something that can compete. Um, so we spent more than six months and tens of thousands, I don't even want to say the number, building something which we've now just completely decommissioned and found a much better off-the-shelf solution, which was just mildly customizable. Yeah. That, it sounds a little bit like IMG. Thanks for mentioning that, Mavs. I wasn't going that, to, but <laughs> not a, not a, <laughs> not, not, not to pull you out, but it sounds a little bit like IMG. But that's a, 
Yeah. It, yeah. it happens to everyone. And, and we've been there. I mean, I've been there a couple of times. Um, definitely. So it's... It was an expensive but a good lesson to learn. Uh, and it yeah. does have a happy ending. Like we're in a much uh, better position now because we found a solution finally. It's better to invest that time in searching for uh, really good solutions than to go and try and build it yourself. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've dabbled in software at least a couple of times. And uh, one of the key challenges, particularly when you're not a developer and have no developer brains and stuff is, uh, yeah, it, it becomes very quickly, very expensive. And you definitely have, um, yeah, you have to be very, very damn clear about what you're doing, what you're trying to solve and be very clear if there's anything that can remotely support your needs elsewhere because it is so much easier to work with and customize something a little bit than it is to build something totally from scratch. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And just being able to reach out to other people yeah. and rely on their technical support and development team. If there's a problem yeah. rather than other people coming to you saying this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And uh, in that case, like the buck stops with you that you've got to fix the problem. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes you don't even know where that problem, like where to start by fixing yeah. that problem or it opens a can of worms of much bigger problems. Handing that over to another, like a third party is what you pay uh, these monthly license fees for. And they're very, very cost effective in terms of the value you get from it. Yeah. So why does people work like working with you guys? Like, so your employees specifically, why do they love working for you guys? I used to say they love working for us. <laughs> I, I made, I made <laughs> the crazy assumption right there. <laughs> well, we've got a really low rate of, uh, of staff attrition, to be honest. Like um, we just, we had to lay off one guy who'd been working with us for six years, a few months ago. Um, and the one that he started with also six or yeah, six years ago uh, is now our uh, CTO. Um, yep. And barely anyone who we've wanted to keep during that time has actually left. So um, probably we're, a bit lucky and fortunate, but I guess it must be more than that because I've, I've had like a number of uh, emails from um, people over the years who worked for us saying that they've really enjoyed working for me specifically uh, and Kyle, of course, but these emails have been directed to me. Um, and Basically, I think it comes down to nurturing. I'm, I just have that in my personality that um, I do take on a, a responsibility when I hire someone to make sure that their needs are being met and uh, to find out what those needs actually are and to actually check in with people. Like we're not large enough where uh, I'm not able to do that. Um, yeah. So even if I'm not working with everyone directly, uh, I still get the chance from time to time to check in with them and just see how they're going. Um, 
we have a number of different uh, kind of programs. So uh, at least once a year, we have a, like a retreat mm-hmm. where we bring the team away because most people are um, working. Um, they're not. They're not in the same office on a day-to-day basis. We do have offices, but. Um, uh, most people are in there like every day. So bringing everyone together and doing social um, team building kind of things. Um, but I know that's not really that out of the ordinary. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. I don't 100% know the answer to that. I'd have to dig really deep and get some uh, feedback I, I think it, it was definitely mentioned a couple of them, right? Like, I, I, I think the reason why I ask particularly you is because I know, like, a lot of agencies really struggle with retention, right? They really struggle to retain people. And as soon as people are good enough, they leave and they start their own thing and all this sort of stuff. Whereas I, I see, like, like for me, this it, it comes down to exactly very good people management, right? And, and I think reality is most SEOs aren't necessarily great. I call it people, people, and that sounds weird, but uh, you know, they're not necessarily like most SEOs are not necessarily people persons, if you will. And they're mm-hmm. not necessarily, you, you know, they're not very good at building relationship. They're not very good at like necessarily caring about other people as much uh, because it's just that the personality just isn't there. And, and obviously I've, I've known you for a while and I know your personality is, is different. So that's why I'm, I'm, uh, I was very keen to ask that question. Um, but but right, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of great management, obviously. And I, I, I really, particularly what you said about building that relationship, checking in with people, right? That's one of the biggest things that I like constantly hammering with clients. Like, you know, have consistent, like, one-to-one sessions and you know make sure you're actually communicating with people like human beings on a frequent basis because it it, it does make such a difference for people and uh, yeah I'm- yeah well I, I have said to people on occasion that they might think as though I'm the boss but that's not necessarily the way that I frame it and this might sound really corny, but um, in many ways, I see that they they are actually uh, the boss, and it's my job to ensure that they stay happy um, in order to produce their best work and to stay on with us and not go and find other opportunities. Like in in that way, I'm kind of working for them to make sure that their needs are being met, and I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, right? Because realistically, and, and a lot of SEOs doesn't like hearing this thing, but re- realistically, a lot of SEOs are actually happier working for the people. Like a lot of SEOs are, are really sort of detail-oriented. They really like processes. They really like frameworks. They, a lot of SEOs really like having like a structured workday right as part mm-hmm. of the personality because that is part of very detail in people's personality but again like in the seo world you have this sort of oh you should have your own business you should do this you should do this but but realistically a lot of people would actually be happier working with or working for the people and i think again like it's a 
I, I think it's a benefit with, with companies that actually do management well and, and are managed, are able to keep SEOs that are really happy because I think for a lot of SEOs, that's, that's really a great spot to be in. Like they can do their best work. They can do amazing things and, you know, they can pr provide significant value as long as they're being taken well care of and as long as people treat them in the right way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, I've seen over the years um, enough people in the industry to break them down into two main categories and uh, apologies for going too much into the SEO industry. Cause uh, I know that's what we're in, but not necessarily what all the viewers are in or the listeners. Um, but there's, two basic types of people that come into this industry that most people fall into. And uh, one of them is the one you kind of described, um, fairly technical oriented, um, usually uh, more introverted personality types, like detail, like processes, um, and like being left alone to basically do their work. Uh, they don't like having to upsell they even don't always like getting on the phone with clients. Um, but um, if you give them, if you set out a process for them to follow um, and give them a little bit of uh, creative leeway, they'll do a really good job. Um, then there's the entrepreneurial SEOs who often don't have a, a great passion for the tech. Um, but they've come from a sales background and uh, they see the opportunity to build a business really fast through um, selling something and delivering maybe something else, if that makes sense, overselling, under-delivering. Um, and usually like with SEO companies, you see the ones that have just been ticking along for many years. Um, and are doing fine, but don't have strong growth. And they come from the former personality type, generally with the owners and the employees. And then you see the super fast growth ones, which may succeed and may fall in a heap after a year. Um, yep. and, and they're more like the latter personality type. So you can generally put people from Anderson into one of those categories. It'd be good if we could just have more of a balance of people in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is like the, the, the thing about SEO is it's so detailed, right? Like it, it, it really does significantly appeal to people who are so super detail oriented, right? Because there is like exactly as you said in the beginning, there's so many moving parts, there's so many details and there's so much stuff to keep up to date on, right? Um, and it, it just appeals to, to certain types of personalities for sure. So. Yeah, indeed. No, that's good. That's good. I'm very interesting to hear. Very interesting to hear. And uh, I think, uh, like, I, th I think a lot of people can learn from this, right? Because I, I think a lot of the time when you're when you're seeing people in the industry recruit, I find it really interesting, like how many people struggle significantly with recruitment. And how many people find it pretty straightforward? Like it's either either people are really good at it, or else it's like the biggest struggle on, on planet Earth. And I, I think personally, I, I really continue to see that that the biggest struggle for people is really this management aspect. And and exactly as you said earlier, like 
a lot of these guys, they like to be left alone. You know, they like to be given responsibility. They will deliver and, you know, they, they like making stuff happen, but they don't like the client calls. They don't like all of these things. And it, honestly, it's a, it's a little bit like when I work with sales teams, because in sales team, you have the total opposite dynamic, right? Where, where for sales teams, like the people, they love going out, talking to clients. They love talking to customers. They love building relationship and talking to people, but they hate doing all the admin, right? So mm-hmm. in, some of the, in some of the sales organizations I've worked with, we've gone the other way around. And we basically said, you know, like instead of getting these high paid salespeople to sit and do crappy admin stuff, like, you know, get, get them a, an easy way. Like, if, for example, if they're driving around the country talking to people, like give them an easy way to sit and talk into a phone or talk into whatever, where they can tell someone else what to do and someone else who likes admin can actually sit and do that in the background, right? Um, mm. And that have, that have generated a lot of benefit for some of these sales companies because, again, it's the happiness of those really, really amazing salespeople. If they love working there, if they love doing a job where they can just sell and someone else takes care of all the, let's call it boring stuff they don't like doing, um, like that increases their happiness. And it's just, it's, it's just a different things, but it, it's exactly the same type of mindset as, as, as sounds like you're using in the, in the SEO world, right? Absolutely. Actually, we're going through exactly what you just said at the moment with our own uh, sales resource. Excellent. Just making sure that, that, that they are doing what they're, what they're super good at doing and that they don't, have all these distractions from administration and uh, like, especially with lead gen, um, some companies would like their sales guys to be doing lead gen. And uh, we've got, we're working with a sales coach, John Logar at the moment. You, you know him. Yep. Um, he's fantastic. And he kind of taught us a bunch of things about this, that that, that should be just such a single minded job. Yeah. Um, without the distractions of uh, administration and uh, any lead generation. It's just, it's just like someone else books appointments, they get on the phone. And, and the key thing, like I, I, I kind of break it down and I look at it like there's both a, a good point about role speciality, like the skill set to do lead generation is often quite different than the skill set of doing sales, all right? So that's one key point. But the also the other key point that I'm consistently looking at is like where do you get this stuff done most cost effectively? And the whole thing is like you can find a lot of people significantly cheaper and significantly easier to find around that can do really good lead gen. But really good sales is often a much more expensive skill to buy and to have in-house, right? So therefore, if you can get lead gen done uh, by lesser paid workforce, like you put your company at a significant advantage, right? Because you're basically paying less overall for the lead gen and the sales in total. So that's that's a lot how I how I tend to look at it. But yeah, John is John is amazing from <coughs> sales perspective, and he's always got a lot of good inputs. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know who. Uh the lead gen guys are that you're using because our most highest paid staff member at the moment is probably Google <laughs> for that exact purpose of I've, lead gen. I've heard about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 
again, there's so many different ways to do lead generate, but, but there's so many, like if you look for most businesses, at least uh, the sort of consistent ways to do lead gen, a uh, lot of, a lot of staff we work with uh, for clients who do it on LinkedIn, a lot of staff who do it on, you know, like email outreach. And that, there's a lot, a lot of these processes that are very easy to, you know, not necessarily automate the full flow, but automate a part of it and have mm-hmm. some, some, some great humans sitting in the end of the flow. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, it's not necessarily cheap, but it's often cheaper than, than very highly skilled and highly paid salespeople. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Excellent. What is the future key challenges you have? So obviously your business is doing half decently. Uh, what, what do you see being the key challenges that are coming up for you over the next months and maybe year or years? Just growing teams, I think. Um, delegate. So where we can actually remove ourselves from the daily operational runnings of the businesses. Um, It took five years with the consulting firm to do that. And I've seen a lot of other businesses do that in much less than half the time. Um, And uh, as you kind of have multiple businesses to run, uh, that becomes more and more important as you're just switching hats all the time between not only different roles, but, um, you know, different businesses with different customer bases and so forth. Um, so scaling teams so we can remove ourselves from daily operational duties and um, get the right people in. Um, I think in the beginning, what's a couple of things that caused this to be so slow um, were identified and potentially solved. Um, one of those being that we had a mentality of uh, we can't afford it. We can't afford to hire the best people. So uh, let's just get inexperienced people who... Uh, we can hopefully get some talent in there, but we can leverage the fact that uh, no one's going to pay them a very good wage and we're the best opportunity that they're going to get. Um, yep. And we've been lucky in that on quite a few occasions to find good people amongst amongst that bunch, but uh, it's less tried and tested. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other uh, point was probably also that we, I I probably wasn't comfortable with hiring people who I thought would be better at the job than I was. And I think this is a a common um, like lack of delegation issue that uh, founders come across is that that seems really hard to do and really scary. Um, But once you've done it, completely changes your life and I, I was about to say your life is about to change yeah that's right and just being able to trust in others and um, take your hands off the wheel uh, is just so empowering not just for yourself but for the staff as well 
like staff love it when they don't feel like you're watching over um, their backs all the time and they're being given responsibility to show that they can prove themselves. Not always, but often enough, if, if you show someone that you're willing to trust them, they'll repay you for that. And it took me far too long to learn that lesson. So in the future, learning from this so we can build and scale teams much faster and efficiently is going to be the key to our growth so we don't get stuck. Yeah, I, I might have a little bit of a couple of golden nuggets on this one, right? So, so one of the things, particularly when you start, like a lot of SEO companies particularly start out like these sort of freelancing businesses, you know, where it's really a person doing SEO and then it's two people doing SEO. And, and the problem is they're always, they're, they're used to being the expert and they're used to tying their value and they're basically used to thinking, well, my business is successful because I'm the expert here. And that is often what actually drives this perfection mentality, right? Because they're so used to their business succeeding because they know it all. And they're so used to being the know-it-all that, that it becomes very strange for them having to let go of responsibilities. But one, actually, one of the things that I really enjoy doing the most is particularly when you have new things, like a lot of people, exactly as the way you have been building the business originally, a lot of people sort of look at it and say, well, okay, to give something, you know, I need to learn it first. And then when I've learned it, I can build the process. I can tell people what to do and then I can give it to them. But actually one <laughs> That's of exactly the best, what I was just about to say. One of the best learning experiences is actually doing it the other way around and saying, hey, you know, we need to build a new forum or, you know, we need to start a podcast. Let's give someone the responsibility to do it instead of me or someone in the management team figuring out, let's give the responsibility to someone else and make them responsible, right? So because the, the, often the biggest cost is not necessarily just handing over a process but it's actually the learning process and the problem is every time you're the expert you're the person come to and ask questions which is the very time consuming part but the whole point is if you put yourself in a situation where you're not the expert then you become <coughs> the person who people don't go and ask the questions they go and ask the expert which is not you which basically significantly improves your ability to do other things. So actually picking up things in your business, and that can even be within the SEO stuff, right? Like that could be saying, you know, oh, this new schema thing, you know, we don't have anyone who's expert at that. Let's pick someone in the team and let's get them to learn it and let's get them to be the expert instead of us as donors, right? That is a really, really powerful thing to do. Uh, and it's really one of the easiest ways to start appreciating delegation um, in a really effective manner, right? That's brilliant. Yeah. Not only the what you mentioned, but uh, by not allowing that to happen, you create a ton of bottlenecks in opportunity for growth while yep. everything is dependent on you or... Uh, one or two other senior leaders in the business to first go and uh, learn and do the discovery and um, systems building before handing it over to someone else. 
means that yep. you're always going to be, um, you're always going to have a ton of things that you really want to do, but they're just not getting done. So that's. And, and I, I learned it the hard way. I mean, honestly, I learned it the hard way. I, I, I had tied my success in the past when I worked corporate, I had tied my success to the fact that I'd gone into a field, I learned to master it, and I was the expert in that field. What I realized was my, my management career took a, a huge improvement when I, when I got a job where I wasn't the expert. Like when I moved into a field where I wasn't the, the know-it-all guy, that was when my results started significantly improve. And, I, and it took me a while to actually realize why that happened. But, you know, as soon as I could sort of pinpoint it and I figured out like, wait a minute, the reason why I'm super successful now is because, you know, I'm not the expert anymore. I have to trust and rely on other people who are the experts. And that means I can actually do what I'm supposed to do, which is the management. And, and I get this question all the time. How do you get time to management when, to do management when you're so busy doing things? I get it all the time, right? And the whole point is, if you're too busy to do other things to do management, you are doing the wrong, wrong things, right? Yeah, this solves a big mystery that I've had in my mind for um, ever since I've met you. And I wanted to know how you always seem so relaxed and have so much free time, yet, are at the top of a number of successful companies, man's. And uh, I also, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Richard Branson, as I know a lot of people are, but he is the master of doing this. He's built 200 companies and still plays tennis and goes kite surfing every morning on his tropical island, you know? <laughs> How does he do that? But so, very much the same thing. and And... Like again, the challenge, it actually becomes a double challenge in SEO specifically, because again, SEO is this very detail oriented niche and, you know, people in it, they like being expert. Like, it, you know, in, in other business types, what you see a lot of the time is people are happy when they can let go. Like people are like, oh yeah, now I don't have to do that anymore. But actually a lot of SEOs really freaking enjoy what they're doing. And obviously, when you enjoy sitting nerding around and enjoy sitting doing SEO, it often does. It obviously doesn't make it easier to let it go, right? But again, that's why I say to a lot of my clients: Do you want to be an SEO or do you want to build a business? And by the way, both are okay. If you want to be an SEO, if you want to sit and nerd around, that is totally okay, right? Like just because the world around you is putting a lot of pressure for you to have a big business and stuff, don't fall into that. But you're better making that clear to yourself because if you're kind of feeling like you are trying to build a big business, but you really want to just sit and nerd around, you know, then you probably struggle building a big agency. Right. But that doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. It doesn't mean that what you should do. And, and even if you figure out what to do and what not to do, um, you can still hire people for it. Like I know very successful businesses where the owner isn't the CEO the owner sitting doing whatever he or she likes doing, and they actually have someone doing the CEOing in the company, right? That does yeah. happen, and and particularly SEO is an industry that's actually really probably a good idea. The, it, it's often a really good idea because there's so many people who just like SEOing. And yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely, I couldn't have said it better, Mas. <laughs> 
Yeah, but also I think uh, on that point, this is a part of, of growing and scaling as well, is that you don't have all the answers, you don't have all of the resources uh, at first in your own skills and then in your own team. Um, hiring consultants to help build out the weak areas of your business is really critical as well. And that doesn't need to be as expensive as it sounds. Again, it's something that we waited far too long before we, we did it. Um, but yeah, consultants like professional consultants that are good, they are expensive by the hour and it might hurt a little bit in the short term, but it, it usually follow the systems that they put in place, um, pays off like tenfold once you, um, uh, have those kind of running as part of your machine. Um, and they don't necessarily have to be ongoing resources. They could just come in and you can do a few sessions with them. They can set you up and then maybe you do like a, a quarterly check-in. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be a huge cost. And for, for us, like the areas of sales was definitely that. With neither us having a sales background or really knowing how to do it. Um, so bringing in outside talent for that, it took us probably two years to find the right person for that, going to just always looking, but just struggling to find who we thought was the right fit. And also in um, finances as well. So although we've had a bookkeeper for a long time, they were under my direction following my instructions and I'm not particularly financial. So they were only ever going to be, as good as the directions which I gave them. And we had no leadership. So bringing in actually someone else from the DC, uh, we started with Ben McAdam yep. um, to help with uh, building projections, for instance. Yep. And that's something that I didn't even know that we were supposed to be doing <laughs> and helping to set uh, KPIs. So from you know setting projections, you are you are goal setting where you want to be revenue and profit wise in the future and then all of the engineering of the the uh or the mechanics of the business can go back from there so if we want to be at this point in monthly recurring revenue in six months or 12 months what do we have to do to get there and then that comes down to building the key performance indicators and targets around those um, month on month. Um, like this stuff was all new to me and it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and, and that's the challenge for most people. Most people, I, I call it the game of hope, but most people is kind of sitting around like, yeah, I want to build a great agency. I'm like, what's your plan? Well, I'm going to do really good and build a big agency. Like that's kind of the plan. Right. And, and you're hundred percent right. Like it's some of those things that a lot of people don't look at it because again, they don't have the background. They, they, don't know that that's a great way to do it right and again that's not necessarily a way to do things but but there's definitely a lot of methods that are trial and tested and work well right and uh yeah, financial planning business planning and so on is it's often overlooked big time but particularly when you're growing it's really important because you see so many companies that you know suddenly they they hire a sales guy and sales explode but because they hadn't expected it they don't actually have the fulfillment. They don't have the ability to fulfill 
because you know that that came unexpected they hadn't planned it and those are the things like when you go down and do really good planning that is effectively what what enables huge business growth right mm -hmm. but yeah that's i mean even for myself like i i have a, a lot of sort of financial understanding and background but uh, i've also worked like a lot with uh, with rob tabraka uh, who's also a very very good when it comes to all the financial planning and so on right and it, it's just it's nice to be able to just turn things around and and even even from someone who's experienced with it like just to have that external input can be hugely beneficial right yeah and when you transform from being uh in the business to working on the business uh you need to have this stuff in order because otherwise you're uh, you've stepped back from what's going on at a daily level and you won't have the transparency to know when things are not going right. So if you look at a business, like it's a, a big machine with lots of moving parts, all the parts have to be moving together in order for that business to be healthy. Um, so you need to be at a high level at least and, and frequently keeping up to date on um, what those health metrics are and um, making sure that if some start to dip that um, they're put back on track so everything else doesn't fail underneath. It's kind of a self audit that you do on your business, which covers both uh, like the driving growth um, yeah. businesses and the enabling growth businesses. And uh, it goes into six uh, business elements, marketing, sales, product, um, people, finances, and process, I think at once. And you kind of measure your strengths in these um, and you can see where, whereabouts, what type of business you are. And a driving growth business is one that uh, is more like sales oriented, but uh, less process and system oriented and uh, tends to grow fast, but can also fail fast. Yeah. And an enabling growth business is one that uh, has more organic growth. They have a lot of, systems in place, they run a lot more conservatively, um, but they just don't have the, the scaling opportunity. And uh, if when we did this, uh, like a year ago, I could see that we were very strong in enabling growth, but very pretty weak in the driving growth, which is uh, marketing sales and product. So that meant we, we had the, we were very well set up to scale. We just hadn't really scaled yet. Yeah. So that's when we started building on those elements and we're much stronger than in them now. Um, and I think like, although it, we paid the price for not going as fast as we could have, um, it put us in a really strong position for the future. And I'm talking about the, the agency here. Yeah. Um, because all those systems are set up and humming smoothly. It's not like we just added a whole bunch of projects to systems that were failing everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's, that will make things a lot easier in the long term. 100%. Yeah. No, that's very, very interesting. I, I like that a lot. And I, think, and, and, and I think that's where most SEO businesses are, right? Because again, as you said, like most SEO businesses, they are in this space where, you know, they're, they're, they're really good at doing SEO. They're really good at the execution part, 
but it's this part with actually getting clients on a consistent basis and so on that that is the challenge for the majority of them right? yeah yeah i mean you hear different stories when you have clients coming to us that have uh have bad terrible experiences with other agencies but you never hear both sides of that <laughs> but correct um i think there's a mixture of businesses out there that are delivering good products and other ones that are not delivering much at all in our space. That is, that is very valid feedback as well though, right? Because like the SEO industry generally have a horrible reputation and yes. it's not necessarily as much because of a lack of delivery, but actually the, the biggest thing is a lack of good communication. So where, where most, and, and again, it comes back to the sort of personality of, of most SEOs, right? But, but where most of these businesses really struggle is actually the ability to effectively communicate both expectations and results and so on. And because the problem is people feel they have a shit experience if they're not being communicated to in a good manner, right? So very often client leaves, not necessarily because they aren't getting results, but because they either feel that they're not being taken serious, they feel systems are not working, they feel they're not being communicated too well. And mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of SEO companies really fall into that trap. And they're like, well, why did the customer leave? You know, we were, we were doing great. We were giving them great results. But yeah. a lot of the time, it comes down to very poor communication. Yeah, so. that's a really great insight, actually. I mean, that does happen. I was speaking to a friend who runs an agency the other day who was saying, this client is leaving. We took the traffic from nothing to uh, like all page one. They've grown the traffic a thousand percent. Why are they doing this to us? And he took it very personally. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have an answer, but it's possible that that was it. <laughs> yeah. But it's really, really, really common in the industry, right? And, and it's such a shame. But, but it really, it, as you said, like a lot of it comes down to these SEOs. They don't like talking to people, right? They don't like talking to clients. And again, if you don't like doing it, you better find someone who does, who can do that, right? Because you are going to consistently have all this big churning clients and customer coming and going and so on, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a fun yeah. way to build a business. It's really not. And it's the hardest way to build a business because if you've got high churn, then there's so much more pressure on the front end sales area. It's yeah. much easier to keep a client than it is to get a new one and a lot cheaper as well. Definitely. So <laughs> it's funny over the years, Kyle was always at me for trying to save clients, um, dropping whatever I was doing and just be like, let him go, man, screw them. Like they can go somewhere else. We don't need them. And I was like, no, it's so important if we want to grow this business, even if we can just convince them to stay for another three months, you know, that's going to, that's another, that's another $5,000 we wouldn't have had. Yeah. It all adds up. Definitely. Excellent, man. Listen, uh, that have been amazing talking with you. And uh, I'm very thankful you wanted to spend a little bit of time jumping on the podcast. Um, before we finish here, any particular sort of tips and tricks around management that you want to share with the audience? One of the quotes that I like to try and live by as much as I can in management and just um, 
my business life is just generally it's uh it's one from zig ziglar and he says that the best way to get what you want is to help enough other people get what they want maybe you're familiar with it and various other entrepreneurs have said i think warren buffett has said something pretty similar as well when he's doing deals um i think the founder of but anyway a lot of a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs and successful business people have said something similar over the years and i think fundamentally if you can try and be a little bit selfless at the expense of maybe not getting as much as you want out of every transaction that that actually comes back many times over through your career yeah, and this, I mean, there's a lot of good reading materials on this point as well, right? But like a lot of the time, a good deal is not necessarily the deal where you make the most money. The best deal is where everyone is happy, right? So if you have a client, even if they pay a little bit less, if it means that they're more happy and you're more happy and you keep them around for much longer, that might be the best opportunity, right? Like it's not always about, like I see it in the e-commerce world, for example, where, you know, people are always trying to squeeze these Chinese sellers and instead of, you know, paying 70 cents for something, they pay 65 cents and they're, they're really trying to squeeze every cent out of it. But, but it hits them so much on the back end because, you know, the, suddenly the, the, the factory start using like slightly less good materials and, you know, suddenly the, the, the error rates on batches start increasing and stuff. And it's, it's just if, if you're pushing people into positions where, you know, they take your deal because they're desperate for the business, but they're not happy with the deal, you often actually <coughs> doing yourself a disservice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you can apply this to both supply end and demand end of Definitely. any business and you'll end up better off for it in the long run. Definitely. Right, Andy. So if people are desperate in getting in touch with yourself after listening to this episode, well, what is the best ways to do so? Well, as we've just launched the Internet Marketing Gold SEO community, it's at internet, internetmarketing.gold is the website. Um, you can come and join our community there and I'm in there all the time. Or if you want to contact me via email, my email is Andy at hvseo.co. Awesome. But I'd really encourage you to get involved. It's free to join. Excellent. Free, free is good. Everyone likes free. Absolutely. Very good, Andy. Very good. Thank you very much for coming on today and have a great time. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.